Hello, everybody. <laughs> D, stop laughing. Sorry. I need to intro this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Sets. I'm your host, Danny Sklar, and I'm again with my co-host, DeAndre Wizard. Wow, just going to put my last name on blast like that. Well, it's better. Did I put it on blast or did I mispronounce it? Which of the two? No, you, you said it right. Okay, good. So I just put it on blast. I'll take that. <laughs> um, we are here with our very special guest, who also is the producer of this show and many others on his Midnight Drive-In uh, production company and channel. He has a couple of other podcasts. He has a great comic book coming out. We would like to welcome our friend Matt Curley. Hi, I'm the guest that you get when you can't get anybody else, <laughs> and you have a show due on Tuesday, which is a great thing to tell people for our second episode. <laughs> but hey, we're hey, not hey, celebrities hey. yet, guys. Listen, procrastination is is common in all forms of production. <laughs> And a slow burn. <laughs> um, basically, though, today it's going to be just like the first episode, maybe a little bit tighter, but we are going to talk to our guest, and we are going to get the best stories from the sets, or best tales from the set, because that's the name of the goddamn podcast. Wow, Danny, can't even, it's been two minutes, already fucking up. Take a shot! <laughs> we fuck up, take a shot, make it a drinking game. So that one sad person, like, watching this alone, listening alone... One of those lines. The three of you are gonna black out. <laughs> Just like we're doing now. But anyway, let's jump right into it. Matt, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind? So uh, I've been working in production for, what year is it now? 2019? That is so. Welcome to the future. Seven years. Just want to state, it's March 15th and he's asking what <laughs> month year it is. Guys, it's, it's been three months. Yeah, yeah. This is a constant problem I have. Well, here's the problem. So it's like I used to measure and know the year by like whatever school year I was in. And then ever since I graduated college it's it's hard to keep track they all just start running together because i have nothing to measure time against because i'm not getting taller or anything it's true <laughs> i feel like something you don't realize or you the biggest problem of like you know graduating or leaving college or anything is that not you being still, able to find a job no that too but you work during the summer there's no time off it just like goes over yeah. and over and over Same and like thing, in and out every day which helps your point, but to hurt your point, you graduated in 2012. Yeah. So it's been seven years. By now, you should have a grasp on how time works. I don't, man. Well, but here's the thing. Sarah Silverman has a really good bit on that where she's like, yeah, most people measure their lives against their kids. Like, oh, well, that happened when... And I measure it when, by where were you on yeah, 9-11. Where, when I measure it on where was I on... So, so okay, I was at 9-11. 9-11 happened, and then this happened this far after 9-11. That's you were in measures. sixth grade in Wisconsin during 9-11. Illinois. <laughs> oh, I'm Thank sorry. you very much. I didn't move into Wisconsin until 2002. Wow, it's like you don't even know we're him at all. We're yeah. cutting deep. Deep cuts. These deep are the deep cuts. cuts. These are like the, the, the tracks that everybody forgets about. Well, we're three and a half minutes in and we're also yeah. already talking about where have you been during 9-11 we're so, off topic <laughs> this is off the rails you know, quickly you know. so you moved to long island after college yeah originally when i was a kid i wanted to be an actor and then i was told that i wasn't good looking enough to be an actor it's bullshit I know uh, this is an audio medium, but you should know Matt Curley has... Stop it. He's just a gorgeous man, beautiful beard. The most beard. luscious beard you've ever seen. It, you guys are Great frames. Blush. Sparkling eyes. Oh, Those God. teeth are white God. as shit. Stop it, stop it, thank actually, you. Actually white, thank not shit's brown. <laughs> um, uh, but no, but the thing is, is that like... Because, you know, again, being from the middle of the country, you know, being from Wisconsin, Illinois area... You, you kind of think that you're like, oh, you know, you had to be good looking to become famous and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't know about character actors or other. I mean, like Danny DeVito, I love him. He's not a beautiful man, you know, and like there like it's, it's all about the craft. And if you're good, if you're believable, like it's all right. But I never thought that. So when I was going to college, I was like, oh, well, I'm not good looking enough to be an actor. So maybe, you know, I'll just I'll work behind the camera. I'll work behind the scenes because I still want to do something in media. So I majored in film at UW-Milwaukee, 
uh, which was more of an art-driven, like a, like an art installation-driven uh, uh, education instead of like actually working in film and TV. Uh, and then I graduated and moved to Long Island because you know I had met my wife by this point. Uh, we met working at Disney World because I did a semester down there doing the Disney College program. We, um, she's from Long Island, and so I moved you know there. And I was like, maybe I'll try working in TV. We'll see how this works out. And then I worked at Best Buy for six months. <laughs> uh, Every little boy's dream. Yeah, because well, and here's the thing: I had already worked at a Best Buy in Illinois. That was my job. Like when I wasn't at school, I went and worked there. Uh, and so I just transferred Best Buys because I was like, hey, I'll have a job when I go there and I'll try and figure out how to work in TV. Because that's the thing they don't ever teach you is how to get a job in TV. And so I ended up meeting, I sold a TV to a guy who I was, you know, I'm chatting him up because I'm the salesman. I'm trying to make the sale. We didn't work in commission, but it was still like, listen, you got a pat on the head if you if you'd sold enough TVs. So I was like, great, you know, I'll, I'll chat this guy up. From and he's unnamed like, big box store. Oh, I don't care. I'll say that I work at Best Buy. I, I don't have anything bad. I loved working at Best Buy. Give me the discount was incredible. Uh, I love working at Best Buy. It's one of my favorite Now, I do want to just real quick just talk about the actor thing. Is that anything you've ever regretted? Not 100%. 100%. I regret not trying to pursue performing every day, probably. Because I enjoy acting. I enjoy performing. I enjoy making people laugh. Uh, I'm not necessarily good at it, but mm-hmm. I enjoy it. And so I regret not giving it a try. You know, I like working in television. I like doing what I do. But, like, I never want to limit myself to just doing one thing. I like trying to do different things, you know. Like like, th- like these podcasts are an example. You know, like I like trying to do this stuff and, and doing, you know, different shows and producing different shows. Is also hosting one of the shows. Uh, it's called Here's My Pitch. Check it out. Uh, what a plug! Yeah, smooth, smooth. Yeah. And so I like I like doing that stuff. I'm also trying to. He learn. still hasn't had me on. Here's my pitch. That's another issue. <laughs> hey man, you let me know when you're available. Uh, so and then you know after I'm, this, I'm also learning. I'm also learning trying to learn how to program a little bit because I've always wanted to make a video game. So I'm trying to make like a couple of 2D video games because I think that would be cool. Um, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm, and, and and I wrote a comic book because I always want to do a comic book. So it's just like one of those things where, uh, I don't know, I, I, I just, I never wanted to live with myself and I just regret, I feel like I, this is probably a stupid feeling, but I feel like it's like too late almost for me to like try to pursue any like acting. And I'm sure I could, I'm sure I could take a couple classes at a local college, I'm sure I could go out and try and do like local plays, stuff like that. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know, it, it just feels like it's past, uh, which is a regret, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so I'm working at Best Buy, and I'm selling this TV to this guy, and he tells me that he, he's a camera guy. He's a freelance camera guy. I'm like, oh, oh, that's crazy. How do you get jobs? And he gave me the, the name. He's like, well, you know, you, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of who you know, but, uh, but you can response. try, which I hate. I hate. I've very rarely actually gotten jobs through people I know. Um, you know what, though? I will say I feel like there's a bit of a different structure when it comes to freelance. It does yeah. seem to be like who you know. But to be fair, most of my freelance shops I got off the internet. Mm. But now, granted, some, and somebody said to me once, he's like, oh, so then you got all the shitty jobs. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess that's probably true looking at the things I've worked on. But, uh, but I, still got, I still got work. Yeah, no, so, I think a very important thing, like, and I truly believe this is, and it sucks, but a lot of people, their first job is like you get your first job by who you know. You get your second job by how well you performed on that first one. Well, and I would actually, Hopefully. I would disagree. I think that you, I think that you can have, I think, and I think I'm a, an example of this. I think if you work hard enough, you can get jobs. You can get a job. Now, it, and it's not going to be glamorous. You have to be willing to put in the time and the work. Like, I, so, so he gave me two websites. He gave me Mandy.com and StaffMeUp.com. Mandy.com is called something else now, and StaffMeUp is still around. I started applying every single day to those two websites, figuring that maybe at some point somebody would hire me. I, I had no experience, so like, what was what was the chance? And so, I ended up getting my first job because they needed a PA with a car. And in New York, that's a rarity. And I had a car, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Looking back, I'm like, that's so super stupid because if I got in an accident or something, they weren't going to cover that, you know. But it was my first PA job, and it was only four days. And it was for uh, a reality show, and I did that. And then I got my second job, my first long-term job. It was nine months. I got that 
by so they were looking for a PA they were looking for a PA who lived in Long Island and could house and drive a 28 foot RV <laughs> that's incredibly specific it was very specific <laughs> and guess what I was a PA who lived in New, who lived in Long Island and who claimed that I could drive a 28 foot RV <laughs> and so what had happened was they brought me in for the interview and they said hey so we are looking for a PA you know we, we just had to let go of our previous PA because he crashed the RV twice in a week. Oh. And so we're looking for somebody who really knows how to drive an RV. And I say, oh, no problem. I'm I'm from Wisconsin. Like, That's all we drive out well, there. Well, I was, like, I was like, I was practically raised in an RV. And my dad <laughs> works in construction. My dad's an electrician. He drives big vehicles all the time. He would take me on jobs. And I would drive, you know, big vehicles. Like, I'm, I'm a pro at driving big vehicles. That was a lie. <laughs> I had never even seen an RV. <laughs> But I wanted the job. <laughs> and so I, and they believe me because, you know. They you were say, desperate. Yeah. Well, when you say you're from Wisconsin, people just have a picture in their head. Like people imagine that I grew up on a fucking farm and that I know how to milk a cow. Yes, I do know how to milk a cow. But that's not, that's because of field trips. That's not because I grew up on a farm. And when you say some people, you could just point to me, Matt. I've I've accused you of this <laughs> many times. It's not just you, though. It's It's like anybody who is outside of the Midwest region. They just assume, oh, you're from the Midwest? Oh, you're from Wisconsin? They have lots of cows. You must you must have raised a bunch of cows and stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I grew up in a house. Yeah, I'm from Ohio, so I get that. Yeah. You yeah. tell people you're from Ohio, and they're like, wow, what's there? Um, actually, quite a lot of big cities. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm from Long Island, so I don't know how you could possibly have enough property to house a 20-foot RV. <laughs> So, well, so 28 foot. 28 foot. 28 foot. So, well, here's the thing. So, I was living at the time. I moved here, and I was working at Best Buy. So, me and my, my now wife, then girlfriend, were living in her dad's house. He was he was nice, kind enough to let me live there when I was trying to get on my feet. And so, uh, he had a driveway. And so, I was like, great. I'm going to park it in the driveway. Oh. And so, I, I did for a little bit, um, just for like two and a half months. Like two and a half. I got the job in December. So I, I go in for an interview. I apply on Sunday. And, and, and the circumstances of which I applied was I was getting fed up. It was December. I had been there since August. And I was starting to like feel like, what am I doing? Why, why, I was questioning why I moved to New York because I, you know, I was like, who do I think I am? Like, I can't just move to this, this place with no connections and expect to be able to find work. That's, that's insane. And a crazy person thinks that. And I was getting really down on myself, and, and especially because I had made a really tough choice. Like, I really wanted to move to Florida after college because that's where all my friends were. But my wife was in – my now wife, then girlfriend, was in, <laughs> was in Long Island. And so I was like – you know, it was like if I want to move to Florida, I'm going to have to break up with her. But I don't want to break up with her. I love her. So I guess I'll move to New York. Adorable. Which is not the best reason to move someplace. <laughs> for a person like it worked out and that's great but like how many stories do you hear where that doesn't work out you yeah. know because ignore those stories well i'm just but that's what i'm saying it's like it's like it's the same thing as like how many people thought a long distance relationship for two years could work you know what i mean i married my wife but like th- th- that those are those are few and far between those stories to be fair and the so, most fascinating part about this is that you have a good relationship currently with your father-in-law correct i have a great relationship <laughs> yeah how is that possible that he just allowed you to live with him after like oh i'm just gonna allow my daughter's uh, new college boyfriend to live with me for two years and not only that take up my entire driveway with a 28 foot rv it wasn't two years i only lived there for six months for six months and two of those months there's a 28 foot rv because some random kid from wisconsin wanted to move to new york well to be fair i had been dating i've been dating uh my wife at that point for for two years. Okay. So it wasn't like I was new. <laughs> and we lived together, like, because we're, we're, we're nuts. We started dating in December, and I left I left Florida two weeks later because my college program was over, and I moved to Wisconsin. So we started long-distance relationship two weeks into our relationship. Oh, wow. And, and then I moved down there for the summer because I was like, oh. Uh, and so we lived together six months after we started dating, 
because it was just for the summer. It wasn't a big deal, you know? Wow, you could have been a serial killer. Yeah, if I hadn't met your wife, I would say this is all make-believe. Yeah. I haven't met her, so you could both be in cahoots. No, nah, it's, 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 it's a crazy story. She's hot to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a crazy story. And we talk, I talk about it all the time. I'm like, we were, cra- we were nuts. Like, that's not something you do. And she's like, I knew it was meant to be. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you just liked me a lot. But and so you far, wanted it to work out. But I love this is so far... Your story is really about not wanting to, or your dreams change slightly oh, from 100%. wanting to be like, you know, in front of the, the camera. camera to behind it. Yeah. But you didn't give up on that dream, and not only that, but you took a bunch of big risks, well, which yeah. is very impressive. Well, and that's, and, and that is, you have to take those risks. Because if you play it safe, you're never going to get anywhere. So, you know, so, but that's where I'm at. I'm six months in, I've only had one PA job, it was for four days. And I'm like thinking, or I'm five months in at this point, it's December. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? I made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have moved here. Maybe I should move back. So I was doing what's called ad set. So you have to go in at like 4 a.m. to Best Buy on Sunday and change all the price tags because the prices change on Sunday. The new sales, you know, so, so things come off of sale, things go on sale. It is an awful thing to do because it's like. Yeah, it doesn't sound yeah. at all glamorous. It was. It's, but it, I will be going to Best Buy on Sundays now. There you go. <laughs> Well, and so and so you would you would it was great because you could listen to music and just do that and you got paid the same like we wouldn't work on commission so it wasn't like you were making any less but you had to be up early and at the end of it you're just exhausted because you barely slept and whatever and so I do that I go back to uh, my father-in-law's house and I'm and I'm so exhausted and I decide to because at this point I'm every single day I'm applying to any PA job that's posted I decide to go on that date I think it was Mandy.com. And I apply for this job, you know, asking for it. And I thought it was porn because I was like, <laughs> oh, we need somebody who can drive a, an RV and house it in Long Island. Like, I assumed that it was a bang bus or something like that. And that's how desperate I was. I was like, I'll do porn. I'll, I'm not in the porn. Like, I'm, I'm just driving the RV. Fine with me. It's, I'm driving the set around. And, and so I applied to it. And then I went to sleep. You know, I applied to that and a bunch of other jobs. And I got an email that day being like, hey, we want to interview you tomorrow. So I interview, I get the, I lie, I get the job, and they're like, great, we need you to pick up the RV tonight, and you're starting to work tomorrow. This is Monday, you're starting on Tuesday. I'm like, okay, so I went and picked up the RV, uh, and I drived it, I drove it around for two hours to try and get, like, the hang of it. Like, I went to, like, a Wallbombs parking lot and drove it around to try and get, like, like understand, like, the, the turning radius you need and all that stuff. So I... Drove around for like two hours and drive around like these neighborhoods that, you know, no one's around because it's midnight and drive around for two hours. And then I was like, all right, I think I got a handle on this. And then I drove that RV for nine months and never crashed it once. So I did all right. Uh, but that's the one of that is one of the craziest leaps I ever took. Um, but then from there, like even that ended and I started getting I started complaining because they weren't paying me like they would. I was working 12 hours or I got paid for 12 hours, but I was really working like 16. Cause they, cause like the law is when you start driving a company vehicle, you're working, but they didn't view it that way. They were like, no, when you get to set is when you start working. But an RV in Long Island, you can't take any of the parkways. You have to take the highways. Mm-hmm. And so you're taking Sunrise Highway or Long Island Expressway. And it takes three times the time, like three times the time to get anywhere. And so I was working 16 to 18 hour days and only getting paid for 12. And I started complaining about that towards the end of the show. And then they did not ask me back for the next season because they're like, we're going to find some other poor sap who's going to do true. this. Because not only that, like, it's as a PA, it's near impossible to get paid overtime. We're honestly a fair wage. Like, my yeah. first, you know, I was 16 hour days, I was getting paid $75 a day. That's insane. Which is about four or five dollars. That's, yeah. that's, that's illegal. Um, it's 100% illegal. And they do illegal. it. And I did it. I sucked it up and it was it was horrible. But like not only that, another crazy thing to think of from this production standpoint is most people when they have an RV or anything like that, I've done it on other shows, is you need to find a parking lot to like store it in. Yeah. And you know how much those parking lots cost? Usually around like five hundred a month. Yeah. So not only that, it was like, hey, we're not gonna pay this guy's fair wage. And you have to store this. Yeah, and, and we're pretty it. much making him our like, you know, our, RV bitch. Our par- our oh. RV bitch and parking lot. But yeah. you took the jump and like it was rough. 
but you can't have any regrets at this point because that was the nine months of work that got you, like, you know, the next thing, I'm assuming. It, no, it nope. didn't. It didn't. So, <laughs> so uh, and now correct. his life is garbage. <laughs> Let me fix that. Oh, and he, he broke up with his wife, apparently. Anyway. Uh, no, no, no. So, actually, actually, truth be told, it did get me the next thing, kind of. So, I guess I have to go back. But, so, anyways, the... Uh, the, the worst part about that job, this is the worst job I've ever had. The worst part about that job is I had to empty the poop tank that was in the RV. So I had to drive it to a campground, hook up a hose, and flush everything out myself. That was part of my job. And I'm like, I would, like, I would do this. And I was like, I went to college. <laughs> I have is, a degree. That is horrific. Yeah, yeah. I had to do that. I had to, I also had to clean the bathroom three times a day, mop the floor three times a day. Uh, and then I was also acting as a like a sec- almost like a second AC because there was only one AC on the show, so I would help set up lights and I would help you know or- and I organized all the gear and I did all and I, did- I reconciled all of the the entire production's uh, co- uh, petty cash and company cards. Mm-hmm. And For so- all of the people who might not know what that is, what is an AC? Oh, an assistant camera. So, so in this small. Production. Yeah. You were a PA, a driver, an a, office PA, an office PA, a line producer. If you're reconciling most of the uh, well, receipts line, and stuff, line producers don't really reconcile their own receipts. They always make their you're the line coordinator yeah. or APOC. They, like an APOC would do that. Okay, yeah, and yeah. So you had about five different roles, wearing one hat and getting underpaid. Right, and being told I was doing a terrible job because the line producer on that job, that was her motivational tactic. She would say that you're doing a terrible job to get you to work harder, but instead it just made me hate her. <laughs> so I think we may have had the same line producer. We're going to have to talk off camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and the other thing is that she once told me, she's like, I want this set to work. I want you to work like you're at the Gap. At the Gap, when there's nothing to do, they unfold and refold shirts to make it look like they're busy. And I'm like, you want me to unorganize and then reorganize the equipment that I've worked so hard to maintain and organize? She's like, yes. And I'm like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That was that was that show. It was the worst show I ever worked on. And the next job I got because another PA. So I was also the only PA that didn't quit because every there was two PAs and every other PA was smarter than me and was like. I'm out of here. This this job sucks. It definitely sounds that way. Yeah. What show is this? <laughs> I know a bunch of people you know right now. I know who the fuck you're talking about. We'll continue I'm this after. About, I'm talking about... Uh, yeah. I know people have worked with her. She's the fucking she's a, worst. She's evil. She is evil. From, from everyone I've heard that's worked with her, nothing good. No, yeah. We know a lot of similar people. I know the I know the PAs that quit. I'm trying to think of who else I... There was like three PAs that yeah. worked there. I think one of them... I went to college with one of them. Was Michael Hyman there? Yeah. Yeah. I do know Michael Hyman. Yeah. He was also from Billy on the Street. Yeah. That wait. show helped me. Well, wait a minute. What did what did Michael do? He was the uh, coordinator at Billy. At, oh, at Billy? Yeah. I think you're right. He wasn't on. I'm sorry. He wasn't. No, he was I, on, think, I was thinking of. I, uh, I do know Michael thing. Hyman. Yeah. No, you know him from Billy on the Street. Oh, that must be it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy who He's no nice. longer works in the industry at all. He's a teacher. He yeah. just left. There's. Honestly, may want to reach out to him for this. He'd be great. Uh, uh, I, I will say, and you know, going back into it, I, I will say that I know so many people, like PAs and all that stuff, who like just gave up on it. They're like, I can't find work. I, I, I'm I work a nonprofit now, or I'm a teacher now, or something like that. And I was always like, Oh God, I really hope that never happens. But there are times that in between jobs that I would just start applying to other things because I was like, I don't know if this is worth it, man. I feel every time I feel like I'm advancing my career. Uh, I don't. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, I went from that, and one of the PA, the last PA who worked on that show, he got a different offer from the production company we were working with to be an office PA for them, which pissed me off, because that's what I was, like, I was, like, trying to be, was an office PA, because I wanted to work in production management. Uh, And they, they offered the job to him instead, and he was working at MTV at the time on a show called Nikki and Sarah Live, and... It was only a one or two day a week job, or you know. So he was like, "Hey, do you want to take over my spot? I'll give him your name." I was like, "Sure." And so that is the first job I got by knowing somebody. But it was like a two day mm-hmm. job. Uh, after that, the next job I got was I worked on Billy on the Street, which you know we I think you also worked on Billy on the Street. Did different seasons. Different seasons, but uh, I worked on that show for, and that was again it was a one or two day a week job, and then after that. Uh, I got a job working 
doing casting for an MTV show. But so yeah. after that, you started, you know, getting some office PA jobs, or nope. no? Nope. I kept getting field PA jobs because I was good at it. Like I was good at being able to react fast and to think on my feet. And so they, I kept getting field PA jobs. Also, like reality TV is really sexist. And so if you're a dude, you're gonna get more like field PA jobs because they want you to lift heavy shit. And that's why they, that's what they want you for. They want you to be able to like, hey, carry this 500 pound thing over there with this other guy. And you're like, okay, I guess. Like, so that's what I kept getting. And I wanted to be a production coordinator in production management and it was really hard for me to break through that I kept just getting the jobs that were that were just like move this drive this vehicle and all that stuff so that was it was tough because then after a while that's what all your experience is in and then people are like well you're a field PA like why would we give you an office job you're a field PA that's what all your experience is in I'm like no but I know how to do this stuff so like that that you know I went from building on the street I worked uh, I worked and casting for a couple episodes of MTV True Life. Um, the two episodes I helped cast were, I was a PA still, but they were having trouble finding, you know, c- people for MTV True Life. And the way that a lot of reality TV works is the the network, so in this case, MTV, will go to a third-party production company and say, we want you to make X amount of episodes of this show. And that company will just do it then with network approval and all that stuff, but it's the company who's making it. So for MTV True Life, I was working at a company and they were looking to they, they were looking for me to help them find people for the episodes. MTV True Life, I want to have a threesome. And MTV True Life, I want uh, uh, I want my ex back. Which are two very hard <laughs> episodes to cast. Or hopefully you get the same couple for both. <laughs> right. Well so, They get them back and then they add a third partner. Yeah. So I, I and and the funny story from that is I actually ended up getting I I found a couple who ended up in that episode. It was a stripper and a strip club owner in Texas, and they'd never had the the, the guy had had a threesome and she had never had a threesome, and so that was that was the that episode had two different couples, um, and that was the couple that I helped find. Like I, I initially found them, I found them on Craigslist. So like that's that's what I was resorting to. I was going I was going on Craigslist and almost catfishing people because I like they it would be couples looking for a third, and I would write to them saying, "Hi, my name's Matt Curley. I work for a television show. Do you want to be on it?" It would have been hysterical if you ended up on the show Catfish, (laughs) because you're producing (laughs) a different MTV show. That would have been amazing. So, but I was very upfront with them, and they were, and then I had a uh, I had a conversation with them. And, you know, kind of got a, you know, they, they seemed cool and stuff like that. They and, seemed cool? Yeah, like they were like like a cool couple. That, like, listen, listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with people exploring their sexuality if they want to no, involve a third person and it's all consensual and everybody's happy. Go, go for it. Not for me, but go for it. Good for you. And, uh, and they ended up in the episode. You can go watch that episode, MTV True Life, I Want to Have a Threesome. I don't think I will, but I, thank you. I haven't either, to be fair. <laughs> I've never watched it. But I know it exists and my name's in the credits. Like, think maybe <laughs> I actually don't know uh, so that was another so I worked on that and then after that I, I got a job on how was that like shoot were you a part I didn't of that go to the shoot so they actually let me go that production company let me go uh, actually a month early and I don't a hundred percent know why I think so they told me it was like oh we're running out of money because casting took longer than we thought and we can't keep paying you uh, so we're gonna have to let you go and I was like yeah, that really sucks. It was like the first job that I was let go from early, and so that really sucked. Uh, and it was it was it hurt a lot. And I I honestly think the real reason was I don't think I was meshing well with the other people there. Mm-hmm. Like you know like it takes particular like when you have a group of people, if you're different than that group of people, you're not going to mesh with them. And then some people view that as bad. Like, hey, yeah, he's fine, but we don't really like him that much. I think that's what it was, maybe in, in yeah. combination with it. And so they, or maybe I wasn't fulfilling the job that they were thinking I was going to fulfill. So Yeah, no, I once time yeah. had an office coordinator complain to me about that. They, like, said to me, like, hey, you don't seem to be, you know, all the other PAs are really close and are, like, really friendly and, like, you're not like that. Is Is there, like, something going on? I'm like... No, I'm just 
want to do my work like you know I'm, I don't have that much in common with these people it's yeah. fine they're all good people I just want to do my job and he's like well you know it's very important for like the thing I was like can you tell me one thing work wise that has been I've gone wrong where I've done anything incorrect and he couldn't think of a single one yeah. and then still said ah, well you know it's not a problem here but I just don't know if I would bring you back Somewhere to else. the next production oh, yeah. I quit two days later yeah, it started here. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, but that, but that's one of the things. It's like it's it's almost not fair too, because it's like, it's like when you go into a production or something like that, if everybody knows each other, you're the new kid at school. Nobody wants to fucking be friends with you. Nobody invites you out, and maybe sometimes people do, uh, but like not everybody. And especially like, my trouble's always been. I live in Long Island. Nobody wants to invite the fucking guy from Long Island out because he's got to go catch a train yeah. or he's going to go hang out with his wife. And so, like, that's something that's like, all right, cool. There's like, also just so many layers. So, like, when they when people judge you based on that, it sucks. It's, a, it's not only that, but if you're coming to a pre-existing production that, like, if it's a tough production, you have these people that are already necessarily sometimes fed up with it or have been through the gauntlet together and right. like, are just done. So, like, they but have this connection. Like they, they got this bond. So, and then when a together. new person comes in, it doesn't matter how hungry or how hard they're working, yeah. sometimes that rubs the wrong way. Like, who does this kid think he is to come in here and try and do all this stuff? Yeah. His job and his responsibilities. <laughs> how dare why you? Why he yeah. was hired. But, like, simultaneously, people, you know... People react based off of their own emotions and their own experiences and aren't actually like... Sometimes the uh, problem with set is you do spend so much time there. Yeah. And you do... And there's so much downtime that some of the people do become like your family. Yeah. So like one of the negatives is like, this guy's not part of my family. I don't like him. It doesn't matter. He's still there to do his job. And totally. the only reason any of you are there. Right. And sometimes that gets messed up or blocked. And like the behind the scenes drama... Of relationships on set, half the time are more interesting than what is being put on the camera. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, it's insane. Um, so after after I was let go from that company, I was real down because I was like, oh my god, I just got let go. This is terrible. And that was my first office PA job too. And like, so that's what I had been working towards because I was like hoping that oh they'll move me from show to show. Like, I'll wrap on this show and they'll move me to the next show because they'll need an office PA and stuff like that. And that, when that didn't happen, I was like devastated. I was like, oh my god, this sucks so much. I thought I finally did it. I got there. And so I was at such a low. And oh, the other thing was too is that I had met a guy who hooked me up with this other guy who was working on Orange is the New Black. And it was after season one, they were looking for someone to, uh, they were looking for somebody to help them do location scouting and stuff like that, uh, you know, as a locations PA for season two. And I was like, oh, that's scripted television. That's where I want to be. I was, I've always wanted to work in scripted television, not this reality stuff. But, but in my head, I was like, no, that's not the smart move. I made a commitment over here. I'm going to fulfill that commitment. Dumbest thing I could have done. Yeah. Dumbest thing. I should yeah, have gone so for stupid. what I wanted, not – you know, like there's a balance, obviously. Like you don't want to burn bridges. But like I, I thought that that connection was going to be way better than it was. You need was to a be shitty. a good worker. Yeah. And like it's important to, I guess, loyalty – to to a show or like to you, the, your people you work with is important, but remember, especially it's a job in your life. Your loyalty needs to lie to yourself. Well, and hundred percent, especially because the, like the the same people who will will give you crap for not being loyal are the same people who would let you go because they have to, and because they're like, oh, sorry, we have to let you go. What are we gonna do? That's that's production life. What are you gonna do? You know, like they'll they'll play both those cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't necessarily be a hundred percent. And anybody who's truly, you know loyal to that, that you should be loyal to will be loyal to you as well and understand like if if one of my you know the pas that i work with said like hey man i'm sorry but like i got this great opportunity over that over here i would say go for it what are you talking don't waste your time as a pa here go, yeah go go do this other thing that sounds awesome like i feel like that's the way that people should be as opposed to yeah i'm gonna be shitty because you're leaving yeah it's also you have to so. remember like your dream job is not the other person's dream job. Yeah. Even if you're in what you think is the greatest job in the world, there may be someone else who's not enjoying it and sees an opportunity for something else they want. Yeah. Uh, as long as they don't like, as long as they're not like the DP and it's the day of like the shoot. Right. Yeah, you could do it. Right. A hundred percent. You know. Um. And so then, so that I was on a low, and then the next job I got, I was on such a high. I got hired. So I, uh, I'm a huge fan of the show Community. Yes. On the show Community is John Oliver. And I was a huge fan of his stand-up. I loved John Oliver. I loved him on The Daily Show. 
uh, and he was leaving The Daily Show and doing his own show. And I got an email one night from somebody I had applied for a job as a researcher somewhere else. And the person who posted that job left that job to go work at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It was the first season, so they hadn't even – nothing was out yet, like not even a it's single episode. It's not the established hit it is right, today. They were building that. And so they were like, oh, you know, we got you. I got your application because I posted this job elsewhere. I don't think you'd be great as a researcher, but I need PAs for this. And I was like, oh, you know, do you want to come interview? I was like, yes. I was like, because in my head I was like, I fucking love John Oliver. This would be amazing. This would be the greatest thing ever. And I, I interviewed, and then I, I worked at the they were they they gave me a trial week where they're like, all right, we're gonna work, you know, you'll work for this week and we'll see how it goes. And I worked at the reception desk and I worked my ass off. Like I did like everything. I, I was proactive. I did stuff that they didn't even ask me to do. I organized their whole closet, like their supply closet and all that stuff. Like on my downtime, like I was on point and they decided to keep me and I was and it was I was the only hire that came, that wasn't like someone who was a known person like a lot of the other PAs came from recommendations or came from people you know who they'd worked with before and stuff like that I was the only like 100% new person to them so that was the, that always made me feel really good it was like 200 PA applicants that they looked at and I think even again more people that we share in common someone I know from that show I believe was hired because he knew a connection like previously who was in the post department and that's like how he ended up there who steven tucker oh oh yeah okay yeah. i met steven actually on a different job i met him on like a commercial or something like yeah. that like a small like little promo i did once and that's how i met steven i actually because he worked on a later season than i did yeah so that's like it's a, it's we know a lot of people yeah, he in worked common. on the second season yeah um and Me so and him worked together at letterman and oh that's crazy the street and he got me a couple of like PA gigs when I was struggling. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and I remember he was really he was really great about that. When, after we first met, I think we did like a shoe dazzle commercial or something like that together, or maybe it, it was either I can't remember what it was, but we did like something where it was like only a few days. But like I remember like he hit me up a couple months later and he's like, hey, there's this other job. Do you want me to put your name in for it? And I was like, oh no, I'm good, but thank you. And like that meant a lot because like not a lot of people do that. Um, uh, I think we were supposed to work on the same commercial, by the way. Which one? The Shoe Dazzle. The Shoe Dazzle one, the, the crew that came in from they came in from L.A.? I remember there was a commercial that, like, Steve offered me. Steven offered me, like, or he was, like, saying I'm trying to fill in. And I remember him doing it, and I was like, oh, I can't. That must have been that, must have been then, that like, commercial. And then, had that commercial, yeah. That, that must have been it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's wow, a very small world. Wow, this is world. so incestuous. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, honestly... It's a small world sometimes. To be fair, we were, at the same time, applying probably for a lot of the same positions on Mandy and a yeah. lot of stuff like that. And, like, something I want to, like, reiterate or, or make sure is, like, we are in no way success stories. We are just people who refuse to give up. Yeah, that's the biggest and, like, thing. like, we're still working. Yeah. And that's what's important. I always treated it as, like... Because the other, the other great thing about working freelance is that you got to collect unemployment... If you worked long enough, and so like when I would work a nine-month job and then it would end, I could collect unemployment. And so I always treated that as, okay, well, if I'm collecting this money, I'm going to apply to jobs every day. And like and like unemployment is not a dirty thing. You pay into that. Like mm -hmm. that's part of the money that's taken out of your, of your paycheck is to go towards unemployment so that if you get laid off or something for something that's not your fault, you could collect that. And so – uh, you know, because so when a show ends, you could collect unemployment. I, I was hundred hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and th that's the thing is that like not a lot of people talk about it because it's like like people are like, oh, it's a shameful thing, or you're collecting unemployment. Like because people mm -hmm. think like associate it with like welfare. I think yeah. also, like and it's not. It's a hundred percent different. But also, if you have to collect welfare, that's not a terrible yeah. thing either. Like take the advantages of the system that are put in place. They're there to help you. This is also what I think is I don't think a lot of people fully understand how unemployment works. Right. So I know from like firsthand a lot of people who were scared to do it like because they didn't like they didn't know or oh, you going to reach out to the production company like I don't want to be burned by this production company because they think I'm doing unemployment like because a lot of people some people believe that unemployment is paid by the company that fires you. Well it, well, and so but it, there's also a difference between fire and, and the show ending. Yes. Show and ends. So, like, so when the show ends it's what you do is, one, the company that quote-unquote hires you is not the company that pays you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a lot of times it's a third-party payment company like Cast and Crew or back in the day it was Entertainment Partners. ADP. 
Um, I've never I've never actually gotten anything from ADP. But, but most of my jobs were cast and crew or entertainment partners. And so that's who you put as your quote-unquote employer. And that's that's the people who see it. And you put it in as lack of work. You don't put it in as that you got fired or laid off or anything like that. It's lack of work. We work freelance. You have a lack of work coming in. And so I would get that money. And it's not a lot of money. You would get the max at the time. I don't know if it's changed because I haven't collected it in a long time. But the max at the time was $420. And you'd have taxes taken out of that, so you would make like take home like three sixty six, three hundred sixty six dollars a week. And and if you worked a day, you just had to report that day. If you or if you made over four hundred twenty dollars, you had to report that you made over four hundred twenty dollars. And so it would it helped get through some of the harder times, you know, because you weren't bringing in zero dollars, no. you know. And and I and I didn't take advantage of it as soon as I should have. When I, st- you know, I started taking advantage of it when I, I moved to New York with $5,000 in the bank. I blew through that in the first year from, from not having enough work and trying to pay bills and stuff like that. It's expensive to live here. Like, I was lucky and did, my parents were able to – I went to a cheaper college, a cheaper state school. They were able to pay for all of that. I didn't have to take on any student loans. I cannot imagine having to try and work in television and freelance and trying to pay student loans at the same time. That's mind-boggling to me. The people who do that are incredible. Yeah. Like Some, – Well, simultaneously – like, I don't understand how people move from out of state to here without, like, a way... A support like, system. A support system. Yeah. Because, again, three years I lived in Long Island, where I'm from, just going back and forth, like, you know, trying to save up. And it's hard to, you know, move when you don't know where that paycheck's coming in three weeks. A hundred percent. Like, it was not... Like, I was only able to do this because my wife lived here. Her family lives here mm-hmm. and were willing to, like help us when we needed it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, borrow money and all that stuff. That's so, great. Um, was that a wrap up? Let's keep I going. Think, I think we should yeah. cut in like 10. Okay. We're already at what, like 40 minutes? I don't know. I can't keep track of this. This is good though. You chatty Cathy's. I think yeah. this has been fun. Yeah. Um, and so, and so like, you know, I'm, so I move here and I'm applying for a job. I'm collecting unemployment. Um, but, uh, but then I got, I got last week tonight with John Oliver. I'm like, this is amazing. This is incredible. I can't, I'm so excited. And it was awesome. It was great. It was a great nine-month job. Uh, the craziest story I have from that is one night they, you know, so what would happen is we would work from Wednesdays to Sundays. And we'd have off Mondays and Tuesdays. We filmed the show on Sundays and then it aired on Sunday nights. So the Wednesdays, the writers would come back. And I don't know if it's different now. This Obviously, this is years ago. This is 2014, so five years ago. Uh, when you know during the first season, so I'm sure it's changed since then. I only worked on the first season, but the writers would come in on Wednesday. They would catch up on the news. They would start pitching ideas and figure out what they were going to do that week. Uh, to you know Thursday would come and they would start having a better idea of what the show would look like, and then they would adjust for any news that came in that day. Friday came and they would then really have a fleshed out thing by the end of the day. But the problem is that it's Friday night, end of the day. That's when they would know what they were going to do. And so they would come to us and say on a Friday night at like 6 o'clock and say, okay, this is the shoot we want to do tomorrow. Uh, and they would give like our production coordinator uh, who was great. They would give her like this is what we need to do. And then she and she and the, the APOC at, at the time would then – we would all work together to try and make it happen. One of the craziest things was at 6.30 p.m. on a Friday night, they're like, we want to shoot with a – we want to shoot a Diet Coke commercial – a fake Diet Coke commercial, so we, you know, in a boxing place. So we need a, a boxing ring, we need a sexy boxer and boxing equipment, and we need it tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And so we're like, where the fuck are we gonna get a <laughs> boxing ring? And so we all, like, all the PAs were banded together, and we're like, like, we're trying to find a boxing ring. That's also, it's not just one that exists, it's a portable one that can be delivered to the studio next door for 10 a.m. the next day. Uh, I can find anything if given enough time. Even a day, a weekday, I could probably find anything. This is a Friday night. Things are <laughs> closed. You know, no one's answering their phones. We ended up finding uh, we ended up finding a guy who led us to another guy who led us to a third guy who had a traveling wrestling league. <laughs> and wrestling ring, you know, looks similar enough to a boxing ring. You looks good enough on camera and so we called him and the guy was like drunk and was like yeah 
I can totally have the wrestling ring there tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Not a problem. And we're like, okay, great. And he showed up the next day, and he's everything you would want him to be. He had a handlebar mustache, <laughs> bleach blonde hair. He was like, yeah, man, this TV thing seems pretty great. I really want to try and get into it. I'm like, you totally should. You're amazing. <laughs> and so that was, like, one of the craziest things we had to find. And then, like, you know, somebody else found boxing equipment that we that we could pick up in the morning. And, you know, like a, like a, like a punching bag and, like, all that crap and we brought that to the studio and it was just like I looked at it the next day and I was like I couldn't like, we were there till like midnight and the shoot we had to be back at like for the shoot in like six hours and I was just sitting there and I was like I can't believe we pulled this off like that was one of those things where I was just like it felt like the end of Ocean's Eleven and, like, <laughs> we just pulled off a heist we did it we had the glow you know and you just hung outside the Bellagio yeah and never and watch the watch the, the things and so um, that was a that's amazing that was another crazy one and then you know I that one ended, and... But, uh, wait, real quick, before the yeah. next one, I am curious. Besides a boxing ring, what is the craziest thing, and not on short notice, but what is the craziest thing you had to find? Uh, ha- that I had to find, or, or that I've worked with? You've worked with finding. Oh. Besides uh, a couple to have a three-way on camera. That, that one's might be, pretty wild. That one's the craziest <laughs> one, I think. I mean, like, I've had to find... I've had to find... I've had to do crazy things before, uh, like I've had to, I've worked with sheep, uh, on a like on a pilot, uh, where we had to have a sheep. I've worked with. Uh, at Nickelodeon, I worked on a shoot once where where I currently work. I worked on a shoot once where we had like ten dogs, and I had to, you know, I had like. A, I just want to go back to the sheep because I love how you said that I worked with sheep as if they were coworkers. They, well, they were. They, <laughs> they were are. part of it. So we, we, I did a I, Hollywood animals. <laughs> I worked on a, I worked on a pilot once, that, the idea behind the pilot, and I thought it was a great idea, was it was a, it was a hidden camera reality show. But it had a story, so it was like the next evolution in that, and uh, and, it, and like Dirty Grandpa or yeah, Bad Grandpa, yeah, that giant yeah, yeah, yeah that giant, it, very similar. Where it's like there's a through line story. But the, the background actors and the extras don't know that they're background mm-hmm. actors and extras. But there are actors who are doing something, but there's a through-line story. And there was a sh- we needed a sheep for that because it was like, like the, the, the gag was this guy um, picked up this girl and was bringing her back to, the pl- to his place, right? So what we did is we cast these actresses saying like, hey, we want you to come, you know, like, we're filming a, a reality show about this guy. We want you to come back to his place, listen to his mix, you know, for his, his rap stuff, and we want you to react to to whatever you, you think it is. You know, like, tell him what you think. This literally sounds like I was abducted. Like, it, it, it's a like, show about it's, being kidnapped. You're like, I, oh, I'm going to be on TV. And then suddenly well, you're in, I don't know, Could have been. I mean, Mongolia. But, but it wasn't. It was, like, you know, we were... We were we were working with a, a legitimate company and, and and everything was on the up and up and like we were going through like casting agencies who knew you know what i mean so like it was a completely reputable like, you weren't we were, just approaching random young women on the we street we weren't right it wasn't like <laughs> great, that great great okay and i feel so, a little better about it and so but the gag was she would come into the apartment it was like this weird apartment loft and the guy's quote unquote roommate a different actor would come out of the bathroom with a sheep and he would have shears in his hand and like like and like a clump of of, of she, like you know hair of wool it, you know in the shear and he's like in like a, a robe and his boxers and like and like the gag was just like what the fuck is going on here and like his lines were like something like you know like oh my dad got me this for his birthday so I can make my own sweaters like he's supposed to be like a weird guy <laughs> and and then it was just filming their reaction and so like that was the gag, and so we had a sheep for that, and it was cra- that sheep was crazy. <laughs> like, that sheep was insane. Like it, 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 like the bang it would do, like the bat, like it did. <laughs> it was insane. It was like you would just be like terrified of going near the sheep. And he wasn't like mean. He just it was really loud and like scary. Were you able to hear it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Were you able to hear it? From like the bathroom before he the guy came out with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. All right. So um, that was that was probably the craziest thing. That's but, like, amazing. But like after last week, so last week tonight ended, and they they decided to put a policy in place where if you if you were a PA and you didn't get promoted, they, they you know they didn't ask you back for another season, so they, to give opportunity to more people and stuff like that. I totally get that. That sounded it was great. It sucked for me at the time because I didn't get promoted to anything. 
Uh, there just weren't enough spots for things. And so I didn't get asked back, which sucked. Uh, and then I, I bummed around a little bit. I did a couple more. I did a couple pilots. I did a couple things. And then eventually um, I lied my way into becoming a production coordinator. I worked on the show and I was essentially doing assistant production coordinator stuff. You know, I was helping organize stuff. I was helping do everything, and and but I was a PA. But you know, they recognized, they liked me a lot. And then, so at the end of it, I just started putting on my resume that I was an assistant production coordinator on that job until I actually got a coordinator job. And then I got my first coordinator job for a company that closed down two months after I started working there. Oh I got no. sold a bill of goods. They were like, oh, we're expanding. We're going to do animated features and we're going to do this. And like, they were primarily a commercial company and they did like animated commercials and like regular commercials and they did pretty good work. But like, they were like, we're expanding. We're going to do all this stuff. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Oh my God, I can't wait. Yes, I'll, yes, I will take a, a terribly low rate uh, for a production coordinator to work at this place. And then two months later, it was like, we're closing down. Oh. So we gave you a four-month contract. We will fulfill the last two months, but you will be the, pretty much the only employee working here and you'll have to sell off all of the computers and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll do that until I find another job. And I did it. I did, I did it for four months. And then uh, a month later, I got, I got a job on Facebook. I was part of a Facebook group and got my first real production coordinator job. And then I did that for nine months, and then I did a couple pilots, and then I actually got my job at Nickelodeon uh, on Indeed.com. So the last story I'll tell you is, so I got, I, I got, you know, I got this pilot. I did really great in this pilot. I made the most money I'd ever made. It was, it was the pilot with the sheep, and I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I made so much money. This is like, like I, I didn't even. It's still the most money I've ever made on a like a day rate basis uh, of any job. And it was incredible. I thought, I was like, okay, maybe I've finally gotten there. Maybe I've finally gotten to that next level, right? That next step. Yeah. And then I was getting worried, though, because I did that job. And before I actually knew I had that job, I was out of work. And I knew something would come along, but I didn't know what yet. And my wife and I found the apartment that we live in, and we bought it. And I had no job. And I was like, this is a bad this is a bad financial decision. I should not be buying an apartment with no job, but I did because I was like, it was a great deal and we loved the apartment and it was it was perfect. You know what I mean? It was two bedrooms. And so it would it was cheaper to buy this place. Like after the down payment, you know, we had a bunch of money from our wedding and stuff like that that we used towards the down payment. But after the down payment, the monthly payments were gonna be less than if we rented a two bedroom. Uh, mm -hmm. apartment it was like it was insane i was like okay well we should buy this place and then when we're paying the mortgage it's you know it's as much as we would pay for a two-bedroom and we get to sell this at the end of the day and maybe buy a house one day maybe we'll be able to do that i the further we get into this thing i don't think we will <laughs> i've lived in this place for like two three years and i'm like i don't know how we're gonna ever afford a house but maybe one day um that's so, just our generation yeah so uh we just gotta wait for the next crash it's gonna come Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, get some cheap houses. Uh, so so I bought this, this place and I, and I did this job and I'm like, it's great, but I had nothing lined up. You know, this job was like a three-week job and I was applying for jobs during these three weeks and nothing was coming up and it was summer. So like that's the busy season. So I wasn't getting anything. I was freaking out because I was like, oh my God, this is the busy season. And what happens when I get to uh, September, November when it's not the busy season? and I don't have a job, and I have this new apartment that I'm trying to get mortgages for, and I'm trying to get them to let me spend more money than I know what to do with, you know, like on a, on a, a place. And so uh, I just start, started getting desperate, and then I, got a, I ended up getting a job, and it was like a shitty junior coordinator job. And it was at a place that did a bunch of reality shows, and the company was nice, the people were nice, it's just the rate was terrible. Like the rate was as much as, I, as you get uh, well, I'll just say it. it was like $200 a day, which like at that point I was making significantly more as a coordinator. I've been a coordinator at this point for like eight, two years. Mm -hmm. and, Wait, you know, just want to reiterate like real quick, sounding like $200 a day, it does sound really good on paper. Like just want you to know, but like right. we're also talking about New York prices, New York prices and also like 
You have two weeks of that payment. You don't know if you're getting that anymore or after that. Once that contract is done, like you have a good amount of time. It's not like right. you have paid vacation. It's, right. You work that right. day, you there's, get paid that day. That's right. it. There's no there's no benefits. There's no sick days. There's no vacation. I actually I think there's legally there's sick days now, but mm-hmm. like they do a weird system where you have to work somewhere long enough to earn the sick days. Yeah. So like, so like we, I just don't want to make it sound like you're yeah. being petty over two hundred dollars no, a day because it's still like, like a, it's good money, but like it's good comparatively. Money. It but, is bad. But if you think about it, like if you make one hundred and fifty dollars a day, right. uh, if you make one hundred and fifty dollars a day, and you work uh, every day, five days a week, fifty-two weeks a year, you make thirty-nine thousand dollars, right? And that's that's your that's your gross. Um, that's 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 not how much you take home. So you, after you take taxes out of that, and you look at real estate prices, I mean, like my first apartment. In, in in Long Beach, it was a one bedroom apartment with fifteen hundred dollars a month, you know. And luckily, my wife and I lived there together, so we could split that rent. But like, if we didn't live together, that's eighteen thousand dollars. Right, that's eighteen thousand of the thirty nine thousand that you need, or that you make. Like, that's a lot of money. That's also thirty nine before taxes. That's right. That's thirty nine before taxes. Truly, so, I'm impressed that you just did that math that quickly without a calculator. I did, I that. did the math. He, well, he did the math. I did the... the I'm sorry. I, I didn't the, mean to give yeah. math credit away yeah. where it was not deserved. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking to two white guys. We could do math. Yeah. <laughs> I work in production management. That's my bread and butter sorry. doing math. <laughs> talking to a Jewish guy. I know how to do math. I have no idea about this guy. He's, he's Jewish adjacent. <laughs> he's Jewish adjacent means he could multiply. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, no, no, just addition. That's <laughs> just crazy. Addition. Just addition. All right, yeah. Get so, on my level, bro. So, uh, and so, like, if you think about, like, that is that is crazy. That is a crazy low amount to live on in this city. Like anywhere else in the country, that's great. You're making a pretty good salary. You can you can get by on that. Yeah, but in here a salad costs fifteen dollars. I know it's insane, <laughs> and so it's tough. And so like two hundred bucks a day when you have to pay for. Remember, I'm buying a place. I'm like I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like. I don't know if this money is going to. I, can, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford this. And also, I'm like, I got to pay for healthcare. I got to pay for, you know, groceries and bills and like electric and and all that stuff just to keep the power on. Like, you know, I'm doing the math in my my cell phone bill and all that stuff. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford this. But I take the job because I'm like, listen, a job is better than no job, and it's like a three month job. But the problem is, I'm like, great. In three months, if they kick me to the curb, that's September. That's the slow period. So, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll take the job. But I had a, a, a higher paying job for a week where I was doing like a trailer for, um, for uh, what's it, the, the tennis, U.S. Open. Oh, it was oh, like yeah. a social media trailer for them uh, from a guy I worked with on the, on the pilot that I worked on for, uh, with the sheep. I met him. He liked, he liked me a lot. He was like, hey, I got this other job. If you want to production coordinate and produce it, like be the like a producer on it. I was like, great. Yeah, I'll do it. So I found all the locations, and I did all the budgets, and I did all that the, the stuff for it. It was very small. He didn't have a lot of money. But I got paid the same amount that I got paid on the pilot, which was great. And I was like, listen, I already agreed to do this job, um, so I, I won't be able to start for two weeks. And they're like, okay, totally, that's fine. We like you a lot. You know, we think you're really good. You have a lot of experience, and we were at, this is a junior position, so we think you can really knock this out of the park. I'm like, yeah, because this is below me, but <laughs> I need a job. So I, you know, so I do that job, and I figure, okay, it gives me two weeks to find another job, a better paying job. And I ended up one night, I I was real depressed, I was real sad, and I ended up having a couple drinks. And I applied to 300 jobs. Wow. And it was, a, it was a Saturday night. I applied to 300 jobs, which sounds impressive. But, like, once you, like, start applying for jobs, it, it's so formulaic. Like, the cover letter, you change a couple key details, and you send it off. Your, your resume, you just attach it. It's pretty easy. So, you know, I applied to 300 jobs, like, 10 of which on Indeed.com were to Nickelodeon. And so... What ended up happening was the people who were hiring, they were like, yeah, we just kept seeing your resume on all these jobs we posted, <laughs> and we figured we'd bring you in for an interview. Like, let's check out this desperate Debbie. Yeah, like he, he's applied to literally every job that we posted. Um, across the board, it was like AP, like like, like for to be an AP, to be a production coordinator, to be, you know, a research, like it was like, it was like across the board random stuff. Uh, and so I, I actually had a phone interview with them, and we talked for like two hours. And then they brought me in for an interview, and then they hired me, and then two, and then so. But the problem was that they didn't hire me before I started the other job, 
So I started the other job on a Wednesday. So, so, so what happened was I, I interviewed at Nickelodeon in person on Monday. I started, I shot the US Open commercial on Tuesday. I started the other job on Wednesday. On Thursday, I found out I got Nickelodeon and I quit on Thursday night. But like I said to them, I was like, you know, the Nickelodeon job didn't, job didn't start for two weeks. And, you know, I said to them, hey guys, I'm really sorry, but I just got a dream opportunity. I have to take it. The job doesn't start for two weeks. I know you guys are really behind on your receipts and all that stuff because that, that was going to be my job. I was just going to be entering – I was just going to be entering in receipt information onto their spreadsheets like and reconciling their cards. That's, that was what the job was, which is like the most boring part of a production coordinator job. Like the fun part is going on set and planning shoots and stuff like that. Yeah, so I that's the worst. Yeah, I tired of you mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I – you know, I, I, I said, like, listen, I know you guys are behind on receipts. This other job doesn't start for two weeks. I'm happy to catch you guys up with all these receipts. I'm really sorry for doing this, but Nickelodeon is a place I've always wanted to work. I've wanted to work there since I was a kid. Like, this is an opportunity I never thought I would get. And so they were like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer, but we get it. And thanks for telling us because apparently they they had a lot of people who would work two weeks instead and then quit and go to another job. You know, they, they would quit instantly. Uh, leaving them kind of in a lurch. And so they, they actually kept me on for three more days. They're like, listen, you're, you're blowing through these receipts. Just catch up, catch us up on the receipts, and you can be done on Tuesday. So just work, you know, at this point it was Wednesday. It was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday. And that was all I worked at this place. And then I was off for two weeks and started working at Nickelodeon, and that was almost three years ago. That's amazing, man. So look that's, at you now. Yeah, look at me now, Ma. <laughs> I, well, I, This is the longest job I've ever had, too is three years because in freelance it's like you work the longest job I'd ever had was nine months so the fact that I've worked here for three years is insane well I'm very glad that you do work here so we get to know each other and actually work with each other instead of just crisscross yeah Um, Matthew Curley thank you so much for joining us on a podcast you produce it was nice to actually uh, get to know you even better this was a lot of fun thank you for having us do you have anything else you want to add uh, this is the longest amount of time I've ever spent with Matt, and it was it was a delight from beginning to end. Stop it! No Just one ever says that. Getting Matt. lost. The microphones aren't. Getting playing. lost in that beautiful beard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you and all the crumbs I eat. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Hopefully, you listen to the most of it. Uh, have a great time. See you next time. Don't this forget is... to subscribe. Tell your yeah. friends. Like, subscribe. This is Tales from the Set. I'm Danny. I'm Deandra. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Make my prize in